This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, Wildcatters? Welcome back to the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, aka the world's best podcast. We're here with our buddy Rob Westover from Applied Bolting Technologies. So funny thing. So Rob, you heard the episode with Scott Hamilton from yes, Hex. Yes. And you were like, what in the world? There's a podcast that actually talks about bolting stuff. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, it's part of the oil and gas industry. So yeah, it's, right. it plays into the, the the technology scene. So yeah, we've been, yeah, it's like our third one in the last few months on bolting. Oh, I know. I, was, yeah. I, I liked your like reaction to you. Like, we can't believe we're talking about bolting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I, I like it because like, hey. You can find people that are optimistic about bolting. Like, that's cool. You know, bolting's oh, yeah. about as unsexy as it gets. Oh, so. gosh, yeah. Yeah, so tell – what do you guys do at a high level? Okay, so we'll I'll, I'll give it. you a little background of our company. So Applied Bolting Technology, we've been in business for about 30-plus years, and it's been primarily in the structural market. So it's uh, – we make what's called a DTI washer. And a DTI washer just stands for Direct Tension Indicator. Uh, it's a single-use mechanical load cell, primarily used on structural fasteners. So all the big LNG facilities you see popping up down here. Yeah. Uh, we are one of four, well, now five, approved methods for tightening bolts. Okay. And, and again, you guys talked about earlier, it seems like a simple thing, righty tighty, lefty loosey. how hard is it? Yeah. But when you're building these big things, the engineers want bolt tension. In the flange world, it's KSI. You're looking, you're looking for some sort of load. To either make a gasketed joint happen or a structural steel uh, facility stand up without falling down. Yeah, is the whole is the whole premise. Yeah. So DTI washers, uh, we're DTI washers. DTI washers. So look at so basically we taught, we taught before the show. I was like, I fucking hate acronyms. Yes. <laughs> what is DTI? So, so direct far? tension indicator. Okay. Yes, All and right. I do hate acronyms too because I can All never right. I can only does, remember. Does that, that mean single use washer? Yes, single okay. use mechanical load cell. Exactly. Uh, applied bolting's kind of claim to fame is the uh, the making of the squirter or dur squirt DTI. So in the past, when an ironworker is in the structural steel, they're impacting on a bolt. They're trying to squash these bumps, which correlates the bolt tension. They had to use a feeler gauge to make sure that they squashed those bumps enough. Uh, applied bolting essentially added orange indication media under the well of each bump with a little groove the edge of the washer so when you get bump compression it has a visual orange indicator it lets the iron worker know it's done go to the next one it lets inspectors and they come through visually see bolt tension so those essentially not really fail but i guess they partially kind of give way yeah so just squeeze right, the medium out right. so, so it's plastic deformation that's how it yeah. works so bump compression is plastic deformation the more you squash these bumps these loads single-use load cells the more bolt tension you have and that's the goal bolt tension is the goal with structural steel so, you know, all the bridges we go over, well, most of them in Houston are concrete, but the steel ones, uh, what the bolt is doing is just clamping steel together really hard. Yeah. So the friction is actually holding everything up. So the bolt's not the pin there that's holding it up. It's just clamping really hard and that friction's holding everything up. So that's, that's the premise. So our method, one of four, is torque independent. So we don't care how much torque it takes. All our DTI is going to tell you is that you have correct tension and you can move on man it's like i get 
nerded <laughs> out like on bolting because like oh, you started talking about like how bridges are held up. I'm like, oh man, you're right. It's not the bolts that are holding it up. It's just it's friction. clamping it together. It's the friction uh-huh. of the plates. Yeah. But it's just like you take all these things for granted, right? Like totally. When you're not engineering these things and building these things, like you just take it for granted. It's like, oh, you screw it together and that's that's it. Right. But everything is like nuts the, and bolts. Literally everything is nuts and bolts. The engineering of bolting is just like fascinating me after these episodes because I'm like, man, it's such a complex topic. It is. Some of it's easy and some of it is critical. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. You said that shell's fame to claim is this visual indicator yep. where it's got this orange media that comes out, kind of makes it dummy proof, right? It's like, hey, you- We try to make it dummy proof. It's always yeah. a, a smarter dummy. But yes, <laughs> we try to make it dummy proof. Uh, and, and and again, the whenever we went to a job site, again, structural steel is kind of our, we've been in that forever. Uh, we go to, so part of my job is training iron workers. They get our stuff on site. We go for free. We train ironworkers how to use a DTI correctly because, again, we're one of four methods. So the other three methods, and it's actually not five, but the other three methods are very different. And so we want to make sure they use our method correctly. Yeah. Uh, and so whenever we're there, it never fails. You get one out of four job sites where a piping engineer happens to see the demo and they say, when are you going to make something for me? Piping sucks. Like, you know, all the, all the time that you save with structural steel, I consume in piping trying to you know get the pipe joints done correctly so that's kind of how we well i guess i should say initially we were very nervous to step into the piping world because you folks have so many different variations of flange joints yeah and you know from stainless to carbon steel to different parameters like you know so we just didn't really it was really overwhelming so we're like eh, we don't really want to step in there yet because we don't really know where to start yeah and so what actually got us into it was five years ago, Enbridge came to us. Uh, they do a lot of pipeline stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had hired an EPC firm to build them some new pump facilities in East Texas. And they were doing a terrible job behind schedule. They were threatening to kick them off. This EPC firm finally got it done. I'm uh, acronym again, sorry. <laughs> Engineer, procure, construct. There you go. <laughs> uh, they got it done. Everything was tagged. Everything looked good. And they said, yeah, the facility is yours. Enbridge went to fire everything up. And the whole facility was leaking like a sieve. Not just one, but a couple. And so what they ended up having to do was hire some 24-hour crews for two weeks nonstop and touch every single flange bolt again. Jeez. And so they had stuff that was tagged off that said, yeah, we're good. That were totally loose. And so that engineer basically called us. He somehow found us on the internet. And uh, said, make me something that just visually indicates someone is here. That's all I want. Give me a DTI that indicates that some crew of some point was here and did something. So we, they set up a, uh, a test site for us in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, one of their fabricators at the fab shop had a 12-inch 600 just flange welded to a table. And we brought a bunch of DTIs designed for 50 KSI. And we, that was our kind of first crack at it. So we didn't really know what to expect because we were total newbies to this industry. And uh, they started doing their legacy pass and everything. And by like pass two, some of the DTIs were starting to fire. And like, what do we do? I was like, we'll just keep going. I don't know. Because <laughs> they're using torque. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, 
Colin, you probably know this, either hammering on a legacy pass, just beating the heck out of it, or using some sort of torque value, 30%, 60%, yeah. 100% of torque, then a ring pass. So anyway, long story short, they're getting DTIs to fire before their final passes. And basically, we're telling them, those DTIs have seen the load you wanted, those other ones haven't. And they said, why? Well, it's torque. Torque is plus, don't you know, torque is plus or minus 30% as far as accuracy? And they looked like us, said we had five heads. Well, the chart says this is totally fine. And so this was kind of our introduction. And we didn't really know what to think because <coughs> in the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in the structural world, if you use torque as an installation method, you can't use a chart. You actually have to test every single day three samples of every lot length and grade you're going to install with every single wrench to guarantee the torque you're using that day is getting you the tension you require every day. Wow. New bolts every day. That's the structural steel where that's what we're using. So hear, what you're saying is torque does not equal tension. Correct. Or in your world of KSI, you know? And so mm. we were kind of flabbergasted by this initially. We're like, okay, well, it's, it's the elephant in the room that you got to use. So what can we do? What can we do to help you? Because we're in the, in the tension world, just measuring stud stress or measuring bolt tension. We're not really in the torque world. We use torque, but we don't rely on it. Yeah. And, and so we were scratching our heads like, I don't really know if we can give them anything. You know, we can give them sort of a target stress DTI, but it's not really going to help them. So what do we do? I was one of the engineers that worked for us, stumbled upon a bunch of research that the uh, PVP had been doing. So the pressure vessel and, no, excuse me, pressure vessel and pipeline group were doing, had done research on uh, bolted flanges, and he dug through all that stuff and found out in the 90s, uh, BP America had actually uh, sponsored a study that was done by Akron, the University of Akron, Ohio, and uh, ASME, which is, oh gosh, I'm spacing out on my acronyms here. It's, it's all the, the <laughs> there's too many acronyms too many acronyms the, the guys write all the specs and uh anyway they had figured out how to tighten a flange using purely just load in one pass so they had figured out figured out elastic interaction and basically what elastic interaction is is that in a flange it's very different than structural steel because it's a squishy joint you know it's got leverage it's not the bolt isn't going all the way through and sandwiching steel. It's like an open space. So there's leverage there. And you got like a little bit of squishiness in between, which is the gasket. Yeah. So it's very different than structural steel. But this university group had figured out that you can actually compensate for the elastic interaction by loading each stud differently when you go around the ring of a flange. And you can tighten the flange in one pass instead of four to five passes with torque. So he stumbled upon this. Uh, the only way to do it, though, is either metered studs, you know, really fancy studs that actually directly tell you how much load's on them. Oh, wow. Uh, facing studs and using ultrasonics. So it's really complicated. And yeah. you got to figure out a whole bunch of the elastic interaction for the flange anyway. So lots of math, lots of testing. It's not an easy thing to do. So no one had really kind of expanded upon it. A lot of research has been done on it since the 90s. But no one had really figured out a way to make it cheap so that an everyday crew on the ground can use it. Yeah. And so that's kind of where our DTI came in. You know, our engineer, his name is Jordan Richardson at Applied Bolting. He's like, oh, we have a cheap load cell that's pennies on the dollar compared to an expensive ultrasonic crew. Let's give it a try. And so 
that's kind of how we started to go down the road into the into flange bolting is kind of purely by accident because Embridge had called us and, and, and then we kind of dove into it. So Embridge is pissed off that they got this crew that messed up their facility. Yeah. They give you guys a call, like, hey, there's got to be a better way to do this. And you guys kind of just go down the rabbit hole of yes. Yes. How can we go from structural steel to uh-huh. flange joints? Right. So how can we give them something better than just using torque? And so uh, elastic interaction, the way it works, uh, simple example is if you want to, if you had two bolt flange, which is not real, two bolt flange, and you put, and you wanted 40 KSI out of that flange. So you tighten bolt one to 40 KSI. When you go over to bolt two and tighten that to 40 KSI, this is independent of torque, bolt one drops. You know, it drops 25%, 30 KSI. So what do you do? You have to compensate for that. So instead of tightening bolt one to 40, you tighten it to 53. Then you tighten bolt two to 40. Bolt one drops down to 40. You now have an equally loaded flange. That is in the simplest form how it works. It's so funny to understand the physics now or have, I'm not going to say understand the physics, but have you explain the physics? Because if you listen to that that podcast that we did, um, I talked about, when we used to hammer up our BOP and it was not a scientific process at all. No. It's me and another roughneck down there with hammer wrenches and the seller hammering this up. And there's all these myths and legends of how you properly hammer sure. up because it's hard to get a good pressure. Sure it test. is. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm a big believer in the star method. You know, I'd, I'd start like, I'd get it to just barely suck up on this side and then right. come over, hit this one, just barely suck up. And I just keep going back and forth sure. doing yeah. that because I knew like you find out very quick. It's like, Hey, if I hammer up all these, tighten them up over here and then I go over there, you're just going to have leaks all day. So it's interesting to hear someone actually explain the physics of yeah. why that happens. You know, if you had bolt one, bolt two, hammer right. this so one down. Everything interacts as you yeah. found out. So, you know, it's, it's not only does the bolts next to the bolt you're tightening interact tend to loosen the bolt directly across from the flange tends to tighten. And so there's all these other things going on, loosening and tightening happening. As soon as you touch something, something else happens. Yeah. So in order for us to figure this out, it's a huge complicated process. We actually have to bring all these flanges into our facility and actually go through the steps of doing all the ultrasonic research. So basically we have this huge spreadsheet of data and the real simple way of thinking about it is say you had a 20 bolt flange and you got to figure out what the recipe is to, to compensate for that interaction. Use ultrasonics and you pick just a, a simple KSI, call it 50 KSI. So you start at bolt one, tighten 50 KSI, and then you go all the way around the flange and see what did that do to every other bolt when I tighten that one. Then you go to number two, tighten that to 50 KSI using ultrasonics. So it's accurate. Then use that same ultrasonic machine Go number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What nine, is seven. when you talk about ultrasonic? Like, what does that actually? So, ultrasonic mean? is a machine that measures bolt stretch. Okay. And it's when I get this wrong, it's either sound. It's sound, I believe. So it, it beams a sound wave through the stud. So you have to face each end equally. So you have to bring all the studs to a machine shop. They have to mirror glass face the end, and the ultrasonic machine measures how much stretch you have in a stud. Interesting. And so, and this is two guys that do this at our facility are way smarter than me and can <laughs> do all that stuff. I couldn't explain how the machine works, yeah. how you set it up, but that's the simple way to do it. So basically 
And all that's doing is, is data logging the interaction coefficients. And so it, it's every time you touch something, what happens to something else? Yeah. And then the guys who I work with who are very smart pump all that information into an algorithm and try to figure out what do I need attention each stud to in order to get an equally loaded flange at the end by yeah. only touching each stud one time? Yeah. How do I do that? And then it's some trial and error. So then, okay, we think we've got, okay, this is the recipe we got to load everything. Then we take the ultrasonic machine and tighten each stud individually to a different load. Then you get to bolt 20, all different loads. And then you go back around again, how accurate was that to make all this equal? Yeah. So there's a lot of work that we have to do it's on the front end. Yeah, process, very yeah. tedious. But once you have it done. Right, then we get a recipe with yep. the ultrasonic machine, and then yep. we have to transfer that to a DTI. So we have to make a bunch of different DTIs that work to that load specification so that it fires out the media right when the load we want happens, and then we number all those. And then so... What it comes down to is the installer has no idea, like on a 12-inch 600, which is 20 bolts, inch and a quarter studs, we tell them, max out your wrench. We're not working on torque. We're just working on, on load, which throws them totally for a loop. They're like, well, what are you talking about? My you know, chart here says that on my machine, it needs to be a certain PSI. Ignore all that. Crank it up. <laughs> like, okay. And uh, we say, start at number one. You got to be able to count. Start number one, load all these DTIs in order, and they're all lasered one through 20 where they're supposed to go. Put them in order, start number one, and go in a circle. And once you hit number 20, you're done. Don't touch it again. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah, what sucks about when you're like, going back to the BOP example, it's like when you don't think about it from a scientific process, it's like you're always guessing. Yeah, Like totally. you have no idea, like, okay, I'm hammering up this bolt what's happening to the other 19 bolts, you know, like that one could right. be loosening, that one could be tightening, like what's actually happening. And so you're just playing this constant guessing game of yep. trying to figure out how to torque things up. Um, so it's really, you know, especially using this, uh, um, you know, technology to where if you put in all the uh, time up front and you get the data and then boom, plug that into an algorithm. And then from there on out, you got a scalable process. It just says, Hey, Put bolts one through 20 here and right. make one pass and boom. And then you're done. It's done. This episode is brought to you by Datagration. Now we've partnered with these guys over the last probably five months so far. The reason we did is because if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that data management is probably one of the biggest issues that we see in this industry. If you don't have a strong foundation, if you don't have clean data sets, if you don't have data that you can work with, how do you expect to really get any work done? You know, and so Petrovisor, which is the, the platform that Datagration has built, is really enabling the end user. It's the engineers, it's the geologists, anybody else who's crunching data to be able to do a lot more with a lot less. It's really, really difficult to go and hunt down data in a bunch of different data silos and spreadsheets and, and paper that needs to be manually inputted. These guys have already automated all of the workflows for you to make it extremely simple. It's really, really powerful. And I know they have a ton of really, really big announcements coming out soon. So we're so thankful to these guys for partnering with us over the last five months. If you really need to get your data management on lock, I would hit them up, reach out to the guys over at Datagration or go to datagration.com. Yeah, so it throws them for a loop because when we, the crews that were, so Enbridge, we have a bunch of product on their pipelines when they're, we were doing a lot of R&D and stuff for them. And they were great to have us on. The, the crews when we were training them were 
well, what, you know, what do I do? We're like, well, you just wait for this indication media to come out. Then you're done and go to the next one. Well, what if my guys are talking about what they did last night? Well, they got to be engaged. Because they're, again, the, a lot of crews, since you're using Torque, they're used to the tool doing the work for them. Mm. You know, and I'm sure you've heard some old timers say, well, I like the sound. That sounds tight. Yeah. Which is actually kind of valid. So there's this guy, uh, John Bickford, and total bolting guru for structural steel and flange. And he did a bunch of studies and uh, he actually validated that the sound a bolt makes was indeed pretty accurate with <laughs> old timers and everything like what the wrench sounded like, you know, pinging a bolt, what that sounded like. The problem is that this day and age, you can't put Billy in a folder and give him to the customer and say, well, <laughs> Billy said it sounded good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, it's so funny, man. Like, <laughs> You know, that's even how it is with oil wells. Like sure, you get sure. some of these old school pumpers and dude, they can listen to it. Yeah. You know, I was telling Jake the other day, it's like, you know, we have, you know, big triplex pumps on drilling rigs and if you wanted to check if a valve is out, you know, you can put a wrench up to the pump and you, you know, sure. you can put your ear to it and hear you it. You can hear it. Yeah. It's so funny how like there are truths to some of those, you know, kind of old school tricks of being, there is, I just hear it or I feel it. I can feel but, it. And that's a big one. I can yeah, feel it. I can but feel it. If yeah. something, uh, you know, explodes, like, Hey, Billy said he felt it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. You feel that Billy? Right. Exactly. You feel that coming? <laughs> you know, I guess back in the day when not that it didn't matter, but you know, if that stuff happened, they're like, yeah, we'll try better next time. Yeah. You know, nowadays yeah. that's, you can't do that. No, you can't do that in today's <laughs> environment. Right. No. So you guys, when did you, um, when did this entire thing happen with, uh, with Enbridge and like, when did you guys start? So it's about, oh, we've been doing it now probably five or six years. And, and again, like I said, we we're pretty new to it. So it was, you know, we didn't really, we knew that Enbridge had a certain criteria they were after uh 300 and 600 class flanges just carbon steel and that's kind of where we jumped in um it might have not been the most ideal but it's what the engineers through Enbridge were aligned to let us look at use so that's kind of where we started did they reach out to you guys like hey we have this fucked up situation huh? we ran across you can you help us mm -hmm. okay. yeah that's how it kind of started right. yeah seriously invited us out to louisiana and said hey can you bring these and like i said it was just a you know it was a, a frustrated engineer that was essentially they were losing tons of money. You know, he said these pump facilities, they're pretty small. The East Texas pump facilities are not huge. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars a day they're losing them and this thing's not running. You know, the only time it's making money was running, was yeah. pumping stuff through it. And so it was frustrating for them uh, that there wasn't something going on in this. And I think Scott kind of touched on this, like bolting is like the black hole of the, for information in the flange bolting world. Like, you know, most flange bolting stuff from the pumps to the facilities, everything is so closely monitored. And then bolting is like, yeah, you know, yeah. did you get it tight? I don't know. You know, <laughs> so like it, it's not really monitored very well. And Scott's company is doing a great job to try to at least even the playing field as far as training. Because mm -hmm. uh, as you probably know, Jake, from one crew to the next, how they did it is totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. And, and so that's number one. And, but there's just not a lot of information there. Did you, did you happen to catch our episode with uh, Matt Kleiman from Cumulus? So, yeah, so we met those guys. Those guys, okay. those guys are great. We, uh, we actually met up with those guys because uh, they're in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're close to us. Yeah. Not a lot of oil and gas in New England, but hey, those guys it's are close. Strange. <laughs> yeah, so strange. Isn't, uh, isn't Sourcewater 
isn't it? He's in uh, New Hampshire right now. No, Vermont. One of the other. New Hampshire, Vermont. Yeah, yeah. that's our company's based in yeah. Vermont. I'm from New Hampshire. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, – <laughs> so we met up with those guys. I don't know how we connected with them. I think it was Jordan, one of our engineers, like, figured out, like, hey, this company's down here. And there, they were actually on – oh, what was the job? So they just put up a huge facility uh, up in – the northern east coast there doesn't matter but they had their whole cumulus system on there data logging torquing yeah and it, and if he talked about it it's super cool like you know yeah. you get a lot you get a uh your tablet and you know you get to a certain joint and it's telling you exactly the pattern you got to go in the tools you know you can't over torque yeah you can't under torque uh so it's a really cool system to at least get data on yeah and he's the one that said Bolting is like the black hole of like <laughs> yeah. of the flange bolting industry. Yeah. So for you guys, you know, you've been kind of stumbled across this opportunity, you know, five, six years ago. And now are you all starting to, you know, scale that into more? Yeah. You know, so we have facilities. Uh, we have a couple nature? product lines. And the hard part for us has been is finding someone to break their routine is the easiest way to describe it. You know, this yeah. is what we're used to. Who's done it? Yeah. First question we get. Who who's done it? Yeah. Well, no one yet. It's new. Yeah. Oh, huh. Hmm. <laughs> you know. And so that's been kind of a struggle. Even though we talk about, oh, Enbridge has it on much of their pump stuff. They're like, okay, anything bigger than that? Than a couple of pump facilities in East Texas? We're like, well, not really. How about yeah. you? you know? <laughs> yeah. But it could be you. <laughs> but it could be you. So so it, the other job that has been on is up in Bechtel had a job up in Ohio. And they used them on, uh, it's a power facility there. So yeah. wherever they had 300 and 600 flanges, they used it. They didn't have a ton though. You know, it was pretty minimal for that kind of facility yeah. where they could use them, but they used them there. So that was pretty good. But I mean, that's yeah, always it's, like it's, it's been a struggle. Only so gas far. and energy. I mean, that's all, I mean, time after time, startups say, yeah, you know, they ask who, who else is using it? Like. Mm. This industry is notorious so for not wanting to be the first that comes out of their mouth. Yeah. Uh -huh. We're not going to be the guinea pig. Right. Give us some good references. Show us the case study. Exactly. And we have all that too. You know, the University of Houston, we actually, uh, they did an independent case study for us uh, using yeah. the Bechtel facility here in Houston, which is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, they did a whole study and said, yeah, it works great. You know, anyone can use it. The guy that uh, did it for us was working on his... I think he was working on his master's and he is only one guy that they gave to do this project. And he was at the Bechtel, uh, just training facility they have here in Houston. And he would literally grab anyone who would walk by to help him. I mean, it's that easy. It's not hard. And he would set everything up and he'd have like a marathon oil executive come over and be like, Hey, can you pull the trigger on the wrench while like I'm watching this? <laughs> like, okay, I guess. But anyway, he did all that. And so we have the study it's, you know, 70% faster than legacy pass. So 70% less tool movements. Uh, said, yeah, it works great. And so we have all that. We ha we knew we needed that initially. Yeah. And uh, still, it's been, a, it's slow. It's slow going. Yeah, I bet. You know, where do you guys see as the biggest opportunity for you in energy? I mean, is this something that you're... So I, I, we are thinking that it's more on the maintenance side. So, yeah. you know, my feeling is you get these existing... LNG facilities, there's tons of whatever chemical facilities here in Texas, Louisiana. When the machine isn't running, they're not making money. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. If they're down for maintenance and we can gain them a day or two, that's a lot of cash, you know? And, yeah. And 
I never realized, again, we've always been on the structural side. Uh, I've never realized on the oil and gas side, like I think it was a Chevron guy that says, oh yeah, we work within like 3% margin. Like what? Oh, it was trillions of dollars, but it's 3% margin. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's not a lot of wiggle room. And so that's kind of, we thought that at least not on the new construction, but the maintenance side would be a huge niche because it would just be, you know, gaining your days, gaining your hours. And, and, and our goal too was always initially to go after the commodity flanges. So we went to all the EPC firms first that we know, and then we started going to like the Chevrons and the Shells and the mm-hmm. Marathon Oils to show them. And all those engineers, basically, their first thought is always that critical flange that always gives them problems. You know, it's, it's boiler man doors. It's, it's all these things that always just consider. But they were, no, no, we're like, no, no, no. We don't want your critical stuff yet. We just want, you know, we're after the, the normal flanges, the yeah. commodity <laughs> flanges first. Then that'll, you know, save you some time to go after the critical flanges. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny to... Anytime someone from the outside of oil and gas thinks about like big oil, you know, they think about all well, these guys are just making a ton of money. And right. when you talk about that, it's like, no, it's 3% margin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I completely, when he said that, the commodities I was like, business kind of sucks, actually. I like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not very much. It's yeah. like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you talk about these small efficiency gains over time, yes. they compound into big results, especially when companies yeah. are operating on slim margins like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Wait, like, is the main value proposition for you guys, as I understand it, is more so for one, you can kind of guarantee that it's, that it's uh, to spec. Correct. But secondly, you are also just saving a ton of time. Time and safety has always kind of been our first kind of point mm-hmm. that we thought anyway. We thought that the, Increase in time would be huge. We thought that less tool movements and pinch points would be better. So that was kind of our initial thought for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So is that like, you know, from the environmental and safety component, you know, that's a little bit harder to quantify into something tangible, right? And it is like, yeah. From my experience with startups, it seems like if you have something that can come in and like show value right off the bat, which in this instance would be like time. Like, yeah. Hey, look how much faster, you know, like 70% faster or whatever it may be right. to get this done. That's something that can be quantified because, all right, it costs us a hundred thousand dollars a day to run this facility or this pump, or if it's not running. And if we can get this job done, this maintenance done and save a day of time that saved us a hundred grand, we paid X amount for, you know, your service. Right. What did that net us? Very easy. Was that what you guys kind of hammer on now? Yeah, that's, and, and and we and initially it was just the single pass system that we we're focusing on. So that is exactly right. That we're it's time, it's efficiency. That's what you're gaining, uh, safety. But then we realized that it was such a drastic change to what a lot of companies are used to. And again, we hear it all the time. This is what I'm used to. This is what I'm used to. Is it in the spec? You know, is yeah. it here? Is it there? Um, and so we came up with a, a byproduct of having all these different DTIs to make this system is the target stress DTI. So basically we have another product line that you can do your legacy pass. You can do whatever you want and we'll give you a DTI that's literally just going to verify, did the torque actually get you the values you wanted? And so in other words, you know, I'll pick on 50 KSI again. Uh, if you had a 12 inch 600 and you need to torque that 50 KSI, we give you a, a, just a 50 KSI DTI, no numbers on it, no nothing. just a 50 KSI, put it on the backside of the flange. 
you do all your cross pattern tightening. And when you're done, you look over the other side, all those DTIs should be fired. If they're not, then you know you have an inconsistent flange and you have a torque makeup issue where the torque you thought was going to get you a certain KSI didn't. And yeah. so that's, that's the big thing. So again, I always go back to the structural world. Torque is very inaccurate. Yeah. It's what you have, but it's very inaccurate. You know, it, that's it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So torque, you got to think about it like in the most basic terms. Torque is the amount of effort it takes to turn the nut down the threads of a bolt. That's it. That's all it is. It doesn't actually equate very well to load or bolt stretch or stud stress yeah. at all. It's just the amount the effort. It's just the effort. That, it's it's that force nut. over distance. Yeah. You know, that, that's, or length over distance. That's all yeah. it is. You know, it, so it's just a measurement of power. How did that become like one of the standard measurements then? It is, but that's all you got. Yeah. That's all you got. What else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's the crux of the flange industry is that it's what they have. They have torque. They can measure that. At least yeah. instead of like, it's, it's one step better than just beating on stuff till it sounds tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's a step change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's. That's, yeah, that's, um, you know, one, I feel like, I feel like a bolt expert. Now I feel so place. bolt ready right yeah. now. So bolt ready. We should have like an, a digital wall cutters event that's only bolts. Just bolts. We'll come. Yeah. We do live demos all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But anyway, so when whenever I go to a job site or a boardroom anywhere, we always do this torque and tension demo on the structural side for everybody. So we have a dry bolt and, and basically we put it in our skid more, which is like a load cell. So in the structural world, we have, you have to test everything. Like yeah. Any sort of bolting you do, you got to test before you go do it. So a skid more is just a hydraulic load cell. That's all it is. To test bolts. Every job site pretty much has them. And I put a rusty bolt in, which I'm sure no flange person's ever seen, a yeah. dry rusty bolt, and use a torque value and say, we need to get to this tension. Use the torque value, wrench stalls, we're not there. And you know, everyone's like, well, the torque didn't work, so it increased torque. I'm like, well, we're pretending the wrench is totally maxed out, nothing we can do. So let's just can't change the K factor. So I take the same bolt out, lube it up, put it back in, 500 foot pounds, we double the load. And we just do that to show them like torque is just power. Measurement of power, that's all it is. If yeah. you, that, so saying that you can like control K factors is really difficult, you yeah. know, cause every single bolt, so. That's so funny because our bolts on our BOP would always be just rusted to oh, shit. Sure. So yeah, I'd yeah. soak them in it's a so bucket common. of diesel and then run it through the wire brush. Yeah, that's and common. And yeah, that's for how. Sure. For sure. Now it makes so much sense. Like, yeah, I mm -hmm. can just apply more torque on it. But more torque may get you there or it might break a bolt or who knows. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so the, uh, the John Bickford guy there that did tons of studies, he basically said that like finding that K factor. And so in the flange world, they use K factors to get torque values. You know, so you can do math. The math, you can equate torque to tension, but the variable is always the K factor, friction factor. It's yeah. always the variable. And so they say, oh, you know, they use 1.25 or 1.60 as the K factor. And, you know, you look at lubes. I don't know if you ever looked at lubes in the, in the flange roll. It says, you know, this, look jet, at lubes. this jet lube is 1.7 guaranteed or whatever, whatever they have on there. And so uh, John Bickford, he's the one that did all that study. And he said... Brand new, like I said, brand new bolts, plus or minus 30%, right out of the keg. You know, that's what torque detention gets you. And then the fact, if, if the K factor is like the holy grail, you know, everyone wants, to, wants it, but no one's going to find it. Yeah. So it's an accurate K factor. So it's, it's, 
from there's been a lot of studies too like on like trying to nail down k factors in the in labs which is kind of easy to do we've done it too like the more you this is a fun fact the more you re reuse a bolt and lube it it kind of machines the surfaces of it really well yeah and your k factors get more accurate oh which means that that one torque value gets you more consistently the load you want which is way different than the studs you're talking about that are floating around the back of a pickup truck yeah. or on the deck of wherever. <laughs> so are you suggesting yeah. reusing bolts because they're more accurate? You So in the structural world, you can only reuse like black A325s. I think in the flange world, you can reuse anything you want. There's not a lot of rules around any of that stuff. It all <laughs> depends though, you know, because you can't really reuse. So one of the vector guys is telling us that on their, uh, oh, the hydro test area, that they'll find that like if they're using the same studs to hydro test certain things over and over again that they'll eventually have to throw them out even though they're not bad because the k factor gets so good the torque values they're using are too high so they're over torquing everything because it's so working so well yeah yeah well it's funny because i can even testify to that like i'd always keep you know when we had unstud the BOP for a rig move, I'd keep the nut and bolt together. Sure. Oh, yeah. And you can definitely tell when one has been, like, machined essentially over time. Yeah. Like, if you were to mismatch the nuts and bolts, like, they don't go together as well. Or you well, get a new so. one and you're trying to put the new one on, you're like, yeah. oh, that one doesn't work as well. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, man, this is... Uh, but no, I'm not saying reuse everything because no one really does. Yeah, <laughs> especially in yeah. LNG yeah. facilities. Yeah, don't reuse. Those. Yeah, just please don't ones. do that. It's cheap. <laughs> so you know, for you guys, if someone's listening to the podcast today and they're you know downstream, midstream facilities, and they're dealing with these issues, where can they find Applied? Uh, what's the website? Are you guys so on AppliedBolting.com? We have a structural on the flange side of that website. Okay. Uh, right now, you know, we're willing to travel. I'm here in Houston, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of offices are not back in, but, uh, you know, when we travel, we bring tools. We bring, like, when we do a flange demo, I literally have a little mini flange, a little two and a half inch flange <laughs> with a kit, and we do the whole kit and caboodle. And we figured out a way to hydro test like right in your office. That's awesome. Yeah, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Initially, so how we did that is that uh, on Amazon, we found these. So, you know, Airsoft. Yeah. Uh, they have these hand pumps for Airsoft. Yeah. They go to like 5,000 PSI. It's yeah. crazy. And so we got those initially thinking like, oh, this will work great. And we adapted it to the flange and everything. And the first couple of demos we did were like pumping up the flange after we did the whole thing. And all the engineers are getting all itchy, like, you were building an air bomb in my stinking boardroom. Can you stop? <laughs> like, it's just thinking, <laughs> this like, is all good. It says 5,000 PSI <laughs> yeah, on right. it. So anyway, we figured out that, like, to make it safer, you can actually pump water through those same pumps. So we literally will hydro test a flange right there in front of you. That's awesome. Yeah. I love so that. it's pretty cool. And it's all, I have it actually right in the van. It's it's all in, like, a little case <laughs> and everything, and we do it right in front of you. But, yeah, right. appliedballsing.com. We have to get a video sometime of that demonstration. Yeah, it's super cool. It's, it's, like, 15 minutes, like, you know, start to finish, and that's me pumping it up and everything. It's so fun. Yeah, it works pretty slick. All right, guys, if you want to see the uh, the little two-inch flange demo. With some lube and do some hydro testing. Yeah. That's right. Right <laughs> in your boardroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Break it right to you. <laughs> right to you. All right, we'll leave the uh, link to their website here in the show notes. Man, thanks for coming on the show and screwing sure. us up on, on bolts. Man. Yeah, I feel fun. feel smarter, feel nerdier for sure. Um, you know, the, the guys that are behind the science of all this just amaze me because it's uh, definitely some complex stuff that most people don't think about.
Yep, fucking nerds. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we might have to do a master class on bolting. Yeah, there you for go. Sure. Re- release that, that here soon. Yeah. That'd be interesting. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks again, Rob, for for coming down for sure. and Appreciate taking the time. Uh, if you guys like the episode, take two seconds, share with all your friends, forward to everybody at the company. Catch you guys in the next episode. Come, come, come.